0: Hello, good
1: morning. I can't hear you. Yes, that's better. So I hope you all had a wonderful session this morning and you all attended that and you had, you're had, you having your little coffee and nice break. Hope you had a, a nice stretch break as well. So we're going to go start off. Uh, with a wonderful presentation today, but before we start, I just have some few housekeeping rules. Um, we kindly request that you turn off your cell phones to minimize distractions. to make most of this event. we highly encourage you to utilize the conference app. Um, it grants you access to all the conference functions, keeping you updated with the latest updates and announcement. I guess by this time you all have the conference app, I think so. Uh, and don't forget to join the conversation and share your experiences of this session or the conference by using the hashtag SNEB2023 on social media. Our presenters will be available to address any questions you may have following their presentation. Now, without further ado, let's invite our session moderator, uh, Dr. Paskazi Adize, who is a public health nutritionist and program analyst at USDA FNS Week program and our speaker,
0: Ms. Ruth Morgan, to the stage. Good morning, all of you. We are happy to see you face-to-face. It's been a while we didn't see each other. Um, So, it's so happy to do this session after yesterday's openings. Uh, with our Secretary Vilsack uh, announcement. As you heard last time, yesterday, he mentioned about USDA Nutrition f- Assistance Programs, including WIC, and he mentioned about the WIC food package changes we are going through and how research feeds into those kind of changes. So today we are going to hear from two important uh, USDA um, uh, colleagues who will be uh, preve- presenting today. One of them. she is uh, virtually, and her name is Valerie Soto. Uh, as you know, um, Valerie, she is a nutritionist, a dietitian, and she is the Nutrition Service Services and Breastfeeding Promotion Branch chief with the Food Safety Nutrition Division within the Supplemental Nutrition Food Safety Program at, at FNS. Um, Valerie manages a team of, I would say, a team of nutritionists, all of them, they are all nutritionists, who develop national policy and provide technical guidance in the area of weak food packages, nutrition education, including breastfeeding, infant and toddler nutrition nutrition promotion, I mean, breastfeeding promotion and support for the WIC program. So she is a registered dietitian, and she has a BS in biology from St. Michael College in Vermont. And she has also a MS in nutritional sciences from University of Connecticut. Um, She did her internship at NIH um, in a clinical center in Bethesda. And uh, her prior role, of course, she has been a senior nutritionist in the WIC program for many years before she became branch chief. So we are happy to have her um, uh, for this presentation. So she's, you know, virtually, but you will hear her. Here she is. Can you see her face there? <laughs> Hi, Val. Um, so our next presenter is uh, um, Ruth Morgan, as uh, you can see her here. She's sitting with us in person. Um, Ruth is a branch chief in a Supplemental Nutrition Safety Program evaluation branch in the research um, division in the Office of Policy Support. So you can see Val is from program side, Ruth is from research side, we all complement each other. So everything we do is from research-based, you know, evidence-related work. So um, she manages uh, mostly week and food distribution program research and evaluation contracts, focusing on measuring the program and policy impact uh, on participant. She has been with FNS for about six years. Before that, uh, Ruth has been a senior policy associate uh, with Altarum, and she worked in different federal programs, you know, SNAP and WIC program. Ruth holds a master's in public health from Drexel University and a bachelor's degree in biology, in, um, in, in, in uh, biology and society from Cornell University. So we are going to hear from these uh, two branch chiefs, one from program side, the other one from research side, and you can understand how you know, we connect as we are all together, okay? Thank you, Kavita. Val, uh, I think it's your turn
2: thank you biscotti can everyone hear me okay yes okay great well thank you for indulging me uh presenting virtually i'm sorry i can't be there with you um to enjoy the conference and the other sessions as well um i am going to turn off my camera because with zoom it just glitches and i'm literally like in a, a strobe light you know dance party so so that i keep my eyesight i will turn off my video now and wonderful so thanks again for the opportunity to share a bit about the WIC program with you today Uh, today we will provide a high level overview of the program and the recent proposed updates to the food packages as well as the impacts of the WIC program on improving the maternal infant and child health of our participants Next slide, please. So what is WIC? WIC is a federal nutrition program that safeguards the health of low-income women, infants, and young children at nutrition risk by providing nutritious foods to supplement diets, nutrition education, breastfeeding support, and referrals to health care. The program is federally funded and administered by 89 state agencies across all 50 states, including 33 Indian tribal organizations, American Samoa, the District of Columbia, Guam, the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Families receiving WIC services through WIC clinics may be run out of or co-located at county health departments, hospitals, schools, and Indian health service facilities. The vast majority of our participants receive what is known as an EBT card or electronic benefit transfer card that they may use to redeem their food benefits each month at participating retail grocery stores. The foods that WIC provides are designed to provide key nutrients that are lacking in the diets of our WIC-eligible population. Federal regulations define the categories and quantities of foods to offer, and state agencies have discretion to choose the specific products and package sizes to make available in their program. We'll cover this a bit more in detail today. Um, Next slide, please. So extensive research shows that WIC is one of the nation's most successful and cost-effective public health programs. My research colleague will dig into this in more depth in the second half of the presentation. But the bottom line is that WIC works. WIC lowers the risk of preterm delivery, low birth weight, and infant mortality. It improves diets for women and children and improves access to health care. Next slide to be eligible for the program an applicant must fall into one of the following categories postpartum breastfeeding or pregnant lactating or breast sorry an infant or a child up to the age of five they must also live within the state they are seeking services they must be income eligible which means their income is at or below 185 percent of poverty level or they participate in medicaid PANF, or SNAP, and they must be assessed for medically-based or a dietary risk. Next slide. So what's different about WIC? WIC doesn't just provide food. Participants receive specific types of foods that include key nutrients to meet their specific nutritional needs during critical stages of development and growth but it's the WIC foods combined with nutrition education and support that give families the tools to make healthy decisions. WIC also supports families providing nutrition and health screenings, connection to other needed services, one-on-one counseling, and breastfeeding support through our peer counselors and access to lactation professionals. Next slide. So this slide shows our journey map for the first part of the presentation. I'll share some background about the WIC food packages, the process for revising them, and then I'll highlight the key changes and talk about next steps and resources. (laughs) This timeline provides a history of the food packages. I won't go through everything on here, but I will highlight a few things. So in 1974, the food packages were originally designed to supplement participants' diets with foods rich in five target nutrients that were known to be lacking in the diets of the WIC target populations. And those were vitamin A and C, calcium, iron, and protein. The 2004 Child Nutrition Reauthorization Bill required USDA to conduct periodic reviews of the WIC food packages. And the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act of 2010 that USDA must conduct a scientific review of the food packages at least every 10 years. USDA published a proposed rule to revise the food packages back in 2007, and this was implemented via an interim rule in 2009. And the rule largely reflected recommendations from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, formerly known as the Institute of Medicine, Um, The final rule that was then published following the interim rule came in 2014 and it marked the first comprehensive revision of the WIC food packages in history and expanded the types of foods offered in WIC as well as the variety and choices that were made available to participants. So as previously mentioned, the food package must be updated at least every 10 years. Um, or at least the scientific review must be every 10 years and then subsequent updates would be considered. So following the publication of the final rule, the department once again contracted with uh, the national academies to conduct a second comprehensive review. Other information that FNS was awaiting before the next food package were the 2020 dietary guidelines for Americans which were released in 2020 um, in the first iteration of these guidelines that included recommendations for those who are pregnant and lactating as well as infants and children under age two. We were also incorporating and looking at the 2021 revised FDA and EPA um, updated joint guidance about eating fish. Next slide. So WIC is designed to provide supplemental foods to provide critical nutrients lacking in the diets of our participant categories. For example, iron is a key nutrient during pregnancy that supports fetal development. And the WIC food package provides iron-containing foods, including eggs and fortified breakfast cereal. The slide shows the broad food categories provided through WIC. These include infant cereal and infant formula, infant meat and infant jarred fruits and vegetables, cheese, breakfast cereal, juice, fresh fruits and vegetables delivered via cash value benefit, whole wheat and whole grain bread, eggs, legumes, and peanut butter, and canned fish. Participants are prescribed one of seven different food packages based on their nutritional needs and status, and the amount of The amount of each type of food in each package and the nutrient standards for those foods must meet our federal regulations. These regulations specify the food categories and quantities as well as the minimum nutrient requirements. So within those parameters, states determine specific brands and package sizes of each food that will be allowed, taking into account consideration considerations such as price, availability, and appeal to their participant population. States may also establish criteria in addition to the minimum federal requirements, such as allowing only low-sodium canned vegetables or offering substitution options to the extent permitted by federal regulations. An example of this would be to allow yogurt as a substitute for some of the fluid milk And food packages are also tailored to each participant's needs. Excuse me. (coughs) For example, a participant may substitute the type of food, such as dried beans or peanut butter, or the form of food, such as dry milk or fluid milk, to accommodate um, personal preference, cultural preference, and allergies, or even a medical or nutritional condition. Next slide, please. So we've talked about what the food package is and the history behind it. So let's talk about the process for revising the food package regulation. Next slide. As I I previously mentioned, the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act of 2010 requires USDA to conduct a scientific review of the food packages at least every 10 years. So following the publication of the final rule in 2014, the department contracted with NASEM to conduct a second comprehensive review. And NASEM's charge, I'm using NASEM to refer to the National Academy. So, NASEM's charge was twofold. Number one, to review and assess the nutritional status and food and nutritional needs of the WIC eligible population and the impact of the 2014 changes in the food package on nutrient intake and indicators of diet quality. And the second was to make specific food package recommendations based on the most recent and available science or evidence. NASEM outlined their recommendation in the 2017 report, a review of the WIC food packages improving balance and choice final report, which were based on the 2015 to 2020 dietary guidelines. And that report's pictured up on the slide. So the overall goal was to make recommendations that are practical, economical, and reflect current nutritional science and allow the program to effectively meet the nutritional and cultural needs of our participating population. Since the release of the 2017 report, the 2020 guidelines for Americans were released. And as I mentioned, this iteration was the first to include recommendations for those who were pregnant and lactating as well as infants and children underage two years. So additionally, the FDA and EPA updated their joint advice about eating fish and twain. So to ensure continued alignment with the current DGAs and nutrition science, FNS incorporated relevant updates into the proposed changes to the WIC food packages. Next slide. So the proposed changes to the food packages were considered within the framework of enhancing WIC participants' equitable access to nutritious foods and better meeting their special dietary needs due to medical conditions or limited cooking or storage facilities, their cultural traditions, and their personal preferences. Our goal is to update the WIC food packages to reflect the latest nutrition science and to provide increased flexibilities, wider variety, and choice for participants to accommodate these things. By design, the quantities and types of foods proposed are intended to deliver priority nutrients to meet supplemental nutrition needs during critical life stages, to contribute to a healthy diet consistent with the dietary guidelines, and to include these culturally appropriate and traditional foods. Next slide. Okay. Now I'm going to walk you through the key proposed changes. Next slide. So, while we're proposing changes that reflect the latest science on foods and nutrients needed for healthy growth and development to fill in nutrition gaps and support a balanced diet, it's important to note that WIC is a supplemental program. So, we provide supplemental amounts of these items. Um, Research shows that WIC participants already consume adequate amounts of certain nutrients. So these proposed changes reduce the amounts of certain foods to supplement what participants eat and improve the overall balance of nutrients that participants consume. We are also proposing changes that will increase quantities of foods needed to improve intake of priority nutrients and food groups that are underconsumed and associated with health outcomes relevant to our eligible population. Okay, so next slide. Diving right in. The proposed rule would encourage consumption of um, more fruits and vegetables by permanently increasing the cash value benefit provided to participants. With temporary authority from Congress, WIC currently provides a $25 benefit for purchasing fresh fruits and vegetables to children, $44 benefit to pregnant and postpartum participants, and a $49 benefit to partially and fully breastfeeding participants. FNS proposes to make this higher fruit and vegetable benefit permanent with annual adjustments for inflation so WIC families can continue to afford more fruits and vegetables. And this would provide children with more than double what they would otherwise receive, and women up to four times the amount. So the proposed revised amounts also provide participants, (laughs) excuse me, with the opportunity to make more choices and to consider a wider variety of fruits and vegetables that may accommodate their cultural and other food preferences. Next slide. So in addition to increasing the amount of the cash value benefit, we are proposing several other changes aimed at increasing fruit and vegetable consumption. We're proposing to allow participants to use their benefit to buy fresh herbs. Allowing fresh herbs will accommodate some cultural eating patterns, and it aligns with the dietary guidelines, which are already categorize certain herbs such as cilantro and basil as a dark green vegetable. Additionally, herbs can help enhance the flavor of foods as a strategy to reduce added sugars or or fat and or sodium, as well as They um, can lead to potentially helping to increase consumption of other vegetables. So, spices and dried herbs would remain ineligible for purchase with the CVB, just to clarify. Um, Additionally, the proposed rule uh, would require at least one other form of fruits and vegetables to be offered, (laughs) excuse me, in addition to fresh. The other form offered could be canned, dried, or frozen. And we are proposing to also permit larger sizes of packaged fresh fruits and vegetables that are currently disallowed under the term party trays. The rule will also, the rule also proposed to require WIC vendors to stock at least three types of vegetables compared to the current requirement of two. And this aligns with Mason's recommendation that stores stock a greater variety of vegetables because WIC redemption data shows a much higher portion of the CBB benefit being redeemed on fruits compared to vegetables. So we really want to move the needle on vegetable purchases. Um, It also promotes equity by ensuring all participants, regardless of where they shop, have access to a variety of vegetables. Next slide. So as recommended by NASEM and to align with the dietary guidelines, we are proposing to reduce juice in the child pregnant and breastfeeding food packages and to allow the substitution of a $3 cash value benefit for the full juice amount. We are also proposing to eliminate juice for postpartum participants who have lower caloric needs relative to those who are pregnant and lactating. It's important to note that the Dietary Guidelines emphasize the consumption of whole forms of fruits and vegetables over juice. And while the Dietary Guidelines include 100% juice as part of the fruit and vegetable food groups, it does emphasize the whole fruit and variety of vegetables from all subgroups and places limits on fruit juice amounts that should contribute toward the overall dietary pattern. Additionally, the dietary guidelines recognize that juice is lower in dietary fiber than whole fruits or vegetables. So, dietary fiber is a dietary component of public health concern for the U.S. population due to underconsumption. And these low intakes are associated with health concerns. Next slide. The proposed quantities of milk also reflect NASAM recommendations and are more consistent with the supplemental nature of the WIC program. Compared to current amounts provided for for milk for children, um, children would receive two to four quarts less per month. Pregnant and partially breastfeeding participants would receive six quarts less per month. And fully breastfeeding participants would receive eight quarts less per month. And the amount for postpartum participants would remain unchanged. Before moving on, I want to note that the proposed rule amounts of milk would still provide approximately 71 to 96% of the amount of milk recommended by the dietary guidelines. Next slide. There are several provisions in the rule that expand the amount of milk and options allowed. So while most states already authorize both fluid and lactose-free milk, we are proposing to make this a requirement for all states will ensure additional options for participants with special dietary needs and preferences are consistently applied across the states. And as recommended by NASAM, the proposed rule would add soy-based yogurts and cheeses as milk substitution options. Currently, only cow's milk-based varieties of yogurts and cheeses are allowed. We are also proposing package size flexibility across all foods, which will allow for a wide range of yogurt package sizes. The rule would also increase the amount of yogurt that can be substituted for milk, so this change would increase the, the total substitution allowed of yogurt from one to 2 quarts. And we also propose to allow yogurts other than whole fat be issued to the winner roll. Next slide. We are proposing to remove cheese as a separate standalone food category for the fully breastfeeding participants to align with the dietary guidelines recommendation for reducing saturated fat consumption. However, we are not proposing to remove cheese as a milk substitute option or adjust the substitution ratio allowed. Therefore, even with the removal of the standalone cheese category, participants would still be able to receive cheese as a partial substitute for milk. We are also revising the total sugar requirement for milk, yogurt, and soy Um, being offered in WIC to align with the dietary guidelines, which emphasize nutrient-dense foods and beverages, among other aspects, um, with little or no added sugars. Um, The dietary guidelines also recommend that beverages with no added sugars be the primary choice for children to assist in the establishment of healthy food choices early in life, So, as a result, we proposed the following revisions that would limit total sugars by allowing only unflavored milk in the program, allowing plain or flavored yogurt with less than 30 grams of total sugars per eight ounces. And this is a reduction from our previous level of less than 40 grams per eight ounces. And we would allow soy based beverage with less than 12 grams of total sugar per eight ounces. whereas before we had no previous limit. Just going to take a sip of water, but we can advance to the next slide. Uh, Next slide, please. The proposed rule would add nutrient specification for calcium for tofu, and it would be 200 milligrams calcium per 100 grams. And a vitamin D for yogurt specification of 100 IUs per eight ounces to ensure that these WIC milk substitutes provide an amount of calcium and vitamin D that is closer to milk. Yeah. We also propose to update the standard of identity citations for yogurt to conform with the new FDA regulations. Next slide. Just gonna pause and go on mute for one second. Apologies, I just traveled and I came back with a clock. Okay. Where are we now? Let's see. Yes. So the 2020 Dietary Guidelines notes that nearly all Americans fall below recommendations for whole grain intake and the majority exceed limits for refined grains. They also note that fiber is a nutrient of public health concern since low intakes are associated with health concerns. Additionally, NASEM's report indicates that 100% of our women participants and over 93% of child participants do not meet their recommended whole grain intakes. Therefore, we are proposing to require that all breakfast cereal authorized be whole grain. Currently, only half of the number of cereals authorized on a state food list must be whole grain. We are also proposing to require that WIC-eligible whole grain cereals contain a whole grain as the first ingredient. Next slide. We propose to expand whole grain options beyond those specifically recommended by NASEM, which would provide participants with even more variety and choice to accommodate their special dietary needs and cultural and personal preferences while promoting this increased consumption of whole grains overall. The proposed additional whole grain options would would add quinoa, wild rice, millet, triticale, amaranth, camus. I won't read them all. They're up on some of them are up on the slides, but it's even more than what's shown here. And we are proposing package size flexibility across all foods, which would allow for a wide range of whole grain package size selection. Next slide. As recommended by NASEM, with modification, the proposed changes would provide whole wheat bread and whole grain bread and other whole grain options and supplemental amounts that better align with the dietary guidelines, particularly for pregnant, postpartum, and breastfeeding participants. The proposed revision would reduce the quantity of bread for children and increase the amount for pregnant, postpartum, and breastfeeding participants. And the, amend, the amended amounts would provide and encourage the consumption of whole grains consistent with the dietary guidelines in quantities closer to NASEM's definition of a supplemental amount and align with common package sizes found in the market. Next slide. As recommended by NASEM with modification, the proposed changes would provide, I'm uh, oh, sorry. Lost my train of thought here. We are proposing to add canned fish to the food packages for children ages two through four years and food packages for pregnant postpartum and partially breastfeeding participants. Canned fish actually refers to processed products in cans, pouches, or other shelf-stable containers. And these changes would expand the categories of participants receiving canned fish, creating more equitable access to this underconsumed food. Currently, canned fish is included only in the fully breastfeeding food package, and these changes would decrease the amount from that package from 30 to 20 ounces. Um, in addition, um, for children, the only types of fish that we would permit would be from a subset of the FDA best choice list, and those are salmon, sardines, and Atlantic mackerel. And nutrition education messages for this provision would be to encourage parents and caregivers to select boneless canned fish or to remove the bones prior to consumption to prevent choking, um, to look for lower sodium varieties and to use the fish within three to four days of opening the can to ensure food safety, as well as, as we mentioned by limiting the varieties to salmon, sardines and Atlantic mackerel for children we are limiting the potential for methylmercury um, exposure at um, beyond the recommended serving sizes. To that end, we would encourage states to authorize smaller package sizes of these canned fish varieties, uh, particularly for the children. Next slide. As recommended by NASEM, we are proposing to increase the amount of formula that partially breastfed infants can receive during their first month, from 104 fluid ounces up to 364 fluid ounces. The amount of formula provided would be tailored based on an individual nutrition and breastfeeding assessment and would not exceed 364 ounces per month. Tailored issuance of formula in the first month and nutrition and breastfeeding education and support from staff not only maximizes the potential for women to achieve exclusive breastfeeding goals, but also to achieve success partial breastfeeding when exclusive breastfeeding is not possible or desired. Additionally, we are proposing to make all formula amounts an up to amount to place emphasis on the importance of assessing uh, by WIC staff the actual need for formula of the breastfeeding mother-infant diet. Infant formula amounts for breastfed infants, even those who receive our fully formula fed food package category, should be individually tailored to meet their needs. Next slide. So currently, pregnant um, and partially breastfeeding participants receive the same food package with no differentiation in the amounts of foods provided. So as recommended by NASEM, the proposed rule would create separate food packages uh, with food package 5A for pregnant participants and food package 5B for partially breastfeeding participants. And it would clarify where pregnant women with two or more fetuses um, belong, as well as um, this would provide our partially breastfeeding participants with greater cash value benefit and canned fish amounts compared to the pregnant participant food package. Next slide. As recommended by Nason, we're proposing to increase the cash value benefit substitution amount for infants and allow this cash value benefit for infants to be used to purchase at least one other form um, other than fresh which would be canned or frozen, dried, would not be authorized for infants due to the potential choking hazard. And to, we would also propose to lower the age at which the cash value benefit can be substituted for infant fruits and vegetables from nine months to six months. So current regs allow substituting only half of the monthly amount of jarred infant fruit and vegetables with a $4 cash value benefit for fully formula fed and partial breastfed infants or a $9 cash value benefit for fully breastfed infants. Instead, we are proposing allowing food packages for infants ages six through 11 months to substitute all of the monthly allowance of jarred infant fruits and vegetables with a $20 CV cash value benefit or half um, with a $10 CV benefit.
1: Next slide. Um, Sorry, well to interrupt. You have uh, three more minutes.
2: Okay, thank you. So this slide I can summarize quickly. This is where we are reducing the amounts of certain infant uh, fruit and vegetable quantities to provide a more supplemental amount consistent with um, the dietary guidelines. I I do want to point out that we are reducing infant meats. Um, This historically has been a low redemption product for the program and we did request public comment on ways to support increasing redemption and consumption of meats and other iron-rich foods among our fully breastfed infants. Next slide. Uh, for the infant cereal, we are providing more than 100% of the recommended amount by the American Academy of Pediatrics. So the proposed quantities to reduce this amount aligns our program with this supplemental Definition that we talked about previously. Next slide. <clears throat> so to further expand participant variety and choice, we are proposing states have more flexibility when authorizing product package sizes, with the exception of formula. So states would still be required to offer products that provide the full amount of benefit to participants, <coughs> and WE WOULD ALSO ALLOW THEM TO AUTHORIZE PACKAGE SIZES THAT PROVIDE LESS THAN THE FULL AMOUNT. THIS WOULD ALLOW THE PARTICIPANTS THE CHOICE OF SELECTING PRODUCTS THAT MEET THEIR PERSONAL NEEDS EVEN THOUGH THEY MAY END UP REDEEMING LESS THAN THE FULL AMOUNT OF THEIR FOOD PACKAGE. AND IT WILL BE um, IMPORTANT THAT STAFF AND THE PARTICIPANT UNDERSTAND HOW TO REDEEM THE FULL BENEFIT whether that's through uh, a combination of sizes that add up to the full amount or one package size that provides a full amount, should they choose to do so. Next slide. I can kind of just um, go through this one quickly. We asked for a lot of feedback in the proposed rule. We wanted to understand better added versus total sugar requirements, whether the iron requirement in our infant formula um, is still the right amount, uh, we wanted to know about feasibility of allowing other plant-based milk alternatives and plant-based yogurts, um, whether there's it's feasible and available to provide nut and seed butters in the program, and we did want to learn more about what are the package sizes available for children, particularly in those smaller sizes of fish. Next slide. So the proposed rule, all of those changes that I just went through came from the proposed rule that published in November of last year. And it was open for public comment for 90 days. So that public comment period closed on February 21st of this year. And we are currently in the analysis process of uh, considering comments for final rulemaking. Next slide. On this slide, there's a URL that provides a variety of USDA resources, including the press release, some infographics, Q&As, a media toolkit with videos, and some sample social media all around the WIC proposed rule. So at your leisure, you can um, go to that and sift through some of those links. Next slide. Additionally, you can visit these pages on our WIC works resource system which is our hub of nutrition education information for WIC staff and our WIC breastfeeding support website which is both a hub of breastfeeding resources for staff but mainly for participants. Um, So with that I will now turn it over to my colleague Ruth Morgan to discuss the maternal health and birth outcomes uh, research related to WIC.
3: Thank you, Val. Um, so, yeah, I'm Ruth Morgan. I'm Chief of Evaluation in our um, FNS Office of Policy Support. I work together with Val and um, Kavitha and Pascasi to evaluate the WIC program. We work very closely together to make sure we're um, assessing whether the program is working, what aspects um, are not working, and what we might need to change policy-wise or otherwise. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the evidence that we have um, collected to date around specifically the food package and some other um, WIC outcomes that we've measured. So um, we want to look at today um, what, what does the WIC food package um, do to impact participants' diets, so that's I'm going to touch upon that specifically, and then um, we want to make sure that we are um, also going to be evaluating the upcoming changes. So we're already thinking ahead about how to do that. So I'm going to share a little bit about what we're what we're planning. Before we jump into some of the findings, I'm just going to kind of share with you the reach of the WIC program so you can understand um, the context in which these outcomes um, are arising. So seven million women, infants, and children were certified to receive WIC benefits in April 2020. Um, That reflects about half of the infants in the country. So when we move the needle on nutrition, even just a little bit, um, we expect to see meaningful impacts for children and families. More than half of WIC participants are children, about a quarter are infants, and about 14% are postpartum women, and 8 to 9% are pregnant women. So you can see we have a really expansive reach in WIC. So jumping into the findings, um, we have We recently conducted a review of evidence on WIC with the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, or AHRQ. Some of you may be familiar with them. They do sort of gold standard systematic reviews. We work with them to conduct a review of the evidence related to WIC and maternal and birth outcomes. They published their review uh, last year. Um, You can find it on their website. We also have a link to it on our website. Um, Just to kind of quickly touch on some of the key findings um, that they had in that report. So maternal WIC participation may be associated with lower likelihood of inadequate gestational weight gain, lower risk of stillbirth in black women, lower risk of preterm birth, lower risk of low birth weight, and lower risk of infant mortality. There are many other findings in that report. I encourage you to check it out if you haven't seen it yet about the impact of WIC. So um, anemia is problematic among the population that WIC serves. So the iron-rich foods in the, in the food package that Val talked about are really important for addressing that. The, um, the map on the left of your screen shows the percent of women with hemoglobin or hematocrit below the standard. And then the map on your right is the same, but for children. So the darker colors here represent higher rates of anemia among children. Um, women and you can see that um, in the southern and eastern states they tend to have higher rates of anemia in, in our country so in 2020 about 13% of children enrolled in WIC screened positive for anemia the good news that is that in a recent review of the evidence WIC was shown to decrease the incidence of iron deficiency anemia in children Um, We also have evidence that shows the majority of children who were anemic at their initial WIC appointment were no longer anemic at their recertification appointment. Um, For women, overall, 28% of women participating in WIC are classified as anemic. This is where um, we've also seen some some, um, changes in their status as well. So um, the impact of WIC on the diet, we we have seen that child WIC participation is likely to be associated with a better diet in terms of um, better quality and greater intakes of 100% fruit juice, whole grains, age-appropriate shifts from whole milk to lower fat milk. We have also seen evidence that household participation in WIC is likely to be associated with purchasing better quality foods and reduce purchasing of less healthy foods and beverages. So sort we're of bolstering this other evidence. We have um, findings from our WIC longitudinal study that's been um, out in the field for um, almost 10 years now. Um, It follows WIC participants from birth throughout their WIC journey, and they found that children participating in WIC through age five have better overall diet quality on average than children who only participated in their second and third years of life. Um, They're also more likely to meet recommendations for limiting added sugar intake than those not participating. We also found that they consume less sodium than those who do not participate in WIC or SNAP. Okay, so um, that sums up some of the evidence that we have generated at FNS or through our partnerships um, around WIC and the food package um, to date. So, how are we thinking about this going forward with the um, the proposed rule um, and making sure that we're continuing to generate the evidence around WIC and the WIC food package? So, we've we recently published an RFA, this was last week actually, to um, conduct research around the food packages. So this um, RFA will provide grants to researchers to conduct this research. Um, and then at the, at the end of that grant period, we will uh, have a symposium where researchers can present what they found. So um, that RFA posted on July 13th. Um, Applications are due August 30th, and it will be for $1.5 million for a one-time cooperative agreement with a um, Institute of Higher Education or other nonprofit research organizations. So if you are one of those, we encourage you to apply. Um, The RFA is posted here at this link, um, or you can go to grants.gov to find it. And then we're also, um, in accordance with the Evidence Act, we're going to be publishing a lot more of our public data sets from our studies online in the the coming year and years. So um, if you'd like to explore those data sets, um, we certainly encourage you to do so. We invest a lot of time and resources into creating those. You could use them to um, do your own research around WIC. Those will be able to be found on USDA's Ag Data Commons website that's available to the public. And we already have some of our WIC data sets posted there um, and from other FNS studies. So um, we encourage you to check that out for some of our public data if you want to help us expand the evidence base around WIC. If you're interested in learning more about our research, I put a link to our team's website here on the the FNS um, page. Um, Every study that we do has a project officer. You can generally find their information in our um, study recruitment materials um, that you may receive if you're a a program partner or on the Federal Register notice. Um, We also, if you want to know more about a study or the data we have that may be available for you all to use, um, we have a general study inbox that's listed here that you can contact us um, with any questions you have. And that's it. I think I'll open it up for questions.
0: Thank you so much uh, for being here and for listening to our speakers today uh, if you have any questions please there is a microphone here up front you can approach the microphone
1: hi thank you so much for can you hear me (laughs) thank you so much for the presentations i'm julie hess with usda ars Um, AND I'M WONDERING ABOUT THE INCLUSION OF SOY CHEESE, BECAUSE THAT'S NOT PART OF THE DAIRY GROUP IN THE DGA, WHY THAT WAS CHOSEN TO AS A POTENTIAL
2: ADDITION TO THE WIC PACKAGE.
1: I GUESS THAT QUESTION IS FOR VAL. VAL, CAN YOU HEAR THE QUESTION?
2: YES, YES, I CAN. IT WAS ABOUT SOY-BASED CHEESE VARIETIES ADDED TO THE WIC FOOD PACKAGE. SO um, WE WANTED TO PROVIDE A NON-DAIRY OPTION FOR FOLKS THAT PREFER A CHEESE. over milk, basically. So we wanted to just expand varieties to meet certain, you know, dietary, personal, and cultural preferences.
1: All right, thank you. Um, may I ask a second question? Yes. Um, so I noticed that you also had uh, recommendations listed for postpartum women who were ostensibly not breastfeeding. And that's also a group that's not currently covered in the DGA, I think it's the one sliver of the population that's not currently reflected. So I'm wondering where, where you came up with those recommendations, because my, my lab group would sure be interested in finding out what resources you may have.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, we were basing postpartum on the 2,000 calorie healthy dietary pattern, which would be a dietary pattern for you know, women in general. Um, I, too, would be interested in in seeing some more, you know, evidence and information specific to a postpartum um, life stage dietary pattern.
1: Thank you so much. Any other questions? Brave people? Oh, okay. Excellent. Hi there.
4: Julie Reeder from the Oregon WIC program. My question is when are there plans to do any research about the realities of WIC budgets for states and for local agencies? Because you know, we are sometimes losing agencies because they have to put in 50% county general funds to support the program. Similarly, the peer counseling budgets are not realistic. I know that there's some ideas that maybe peer counselors are minimum wage employees but with the rise of community health workers that can make up to sixty seventy eighty thousand dollars a year that's not a competitive salary and so we've had counties again turn away breastfeeding peer counseling because it doesn't pencil out
3: i can speak to that a little bit so um, we through our modernization efforts there will be um, some work done around the WIC workforce so we're going to be providing grants um, to try to recruit more people, figure out what we need to do to bring more people into WIC to work for WIC. Mm-hmm. I know that's that's definitely a pain point. Um, as far as researching the WIC budget, um, we do a lot internally on that, but um, we don't have any specific studies we're planning. But I'd love to talk to you more about that and what you know what that might look like.
4: Yeah, because it's hard with county commissioners when you're seen as a money-losing program mm-hmm. that they have to support. So that's a huge threat, and I feel like that's never discussed or researched. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks. Hi. My name is Liz Ruder. I'm from the Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, can you talk about the timeline for implementation for the proposed changes to the WIC food package?
1: Well, I think it's your question.
2: I can take that um apologies up front that I can't give you the answer that you're probably seeking um because we are in a rulemaking process um we any uh timeline would be posted to the reg agenda which is part of the federal registered notification um so those come out twice a year in the spring and in the fall so um currently you know don't believe there's anything in there about food package but I would point to that resource Um, and I I don't have the address uh, readily available but if you were to Google regulatory agenda federal register um, you can take a quick look and uh, and I you might even be able to get alerts to notify you if there's something that you're specifically looking for there so that would be sort of where to go to find that information but at this time we don't have a
1: public facing timeline. Hi, I'm Nancy Sawyer, I'm from Butler County Wick in Ohio. I hear that they are, that you're thinking about extending postpartum benefits up to one year postpartum and also child benefits up to six years of age. How soon is that going to become a reality or is it going to become a reality?
2: Well. Uh, yeah, no, great question. Unfortunately, I, I don't have a response for you on those items. Um, but uh, appreciate the question uh, that you're raising. Uh, I don't know if if anyone else in the room has um, more insight into that. But currently, we don't have any um, information on that.
1: Okay. Any other questions? We still have time. You can ask one more question. <laughs> okay, then I'm gonna ask you a question, Ruth. Uh, can you talk about WIC Modernization Act and if there is any ongoing research on that?
3: Sure, so we, um, my team is standing up an evaluation of all of the WIC Modernization efforts. So many of you may know that through the ARPA legislation, we received $390 million to modernize the program, and so um, the program has been rolling out um, several different investments um, in different areas, whether it be um, shopping or um, in outreach, um, enrollment, and we're going to be evaluating all of those. So. We're, we'll be working with an evaluator, we'll be sharing as much as we can on our website um, through visualizations, dashboards, um, around you know, what's going on in each state, how states are implementing those funds. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and then I know that the modernization team will be presenting more about just the specific modernization projects at this conference tomorrow at 9, 9.45, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested um, to learn more, definitely go to that session tomorrow.
4: Hi, I'm Sarah with Minnesota FNAP. And this is kind of a larger question that I don't know if you'll know. But do things like these WIC changes and SNAP changes to these sorts of things affect the food industry? And is there anybody doing research on what does this mean for General Mills or for Tyson or whatever based off that?
3: I mean yeah maybe val can speak to that
1: Val, can you answer that question
2: i don't think i can answer it directly i think um you know we do as as ruth mentioned we do a variety of research activities on our end to look at the uh what we offer versus what is redeemed and like what that looks like for our participants um regarding the impact on industry I don't think that we have done a study specifically looking at that. Um, However, just like anyone is available and open to write in a public comment when we have open public comment periods, industry does make their voice heard um, regarding needed changes, how they've adapted already, et cetera. So we do have... You know some insight, and all the comments received on the WIC proposed food package rule are publicly available. If you go again to the Federal Register, um, you can read through all seventeen thousand of them. <laughs> if that's of interest, um, we certainly are. So there's there's a lot of good insight from the comments themselves. I think that's all I can um, add to that response.
3: And I'll just add that I'm I'm sure that. Any WIC food package research that we will do will kind of get some evidence um, around the impact on the food industry. Many of you who are around in 2009, when we previously changed the food package, know that you know we introduced new sizes of bread, and and that created a big industry change um, in like the sizing of packaging um, and and other. Uh, there were other impacts with other foods, so I'm sure we'll, we will glean a lot of information once we um, implement a final rule and, um, and, and then evaluate those changes. So i expect more to come on that.
1: Thank you, Val, and thank you, Ruth, for an excellent presentation. And let's give a big round of applause for our speakers. So, um, Pascal, do you want to say something? No? Okay. So, before we wrap up, allow me to remind you about a few important things. Your feedback is essential for SNEB. Please take a moment to provide your feedback following the conference through the evaluation and exciting events are coming up so lots of great things are happening today and tomorrow be sure to refer to the conference schedule in the mobile app and once again we would like to emphasize the power of social media as empowered food citizens we encourage you to utilize social media platforms with the conference hashtag snab2023 and to collectively extend the reach of this conference and foster a sense of community among nutrition education professionals worldwide. Once again, thank you for being part of the session. Uh, way to go. Empowered, all of us. So. <laughs>